Good evening. This is Ruth Wittstein. It is now after 1 o'clock in the morning on... Shoot, what day? April 7th, Tuesday. Good evening. This is Ruth Wittstein. And you are listening to a northerner in the south. Now, it is late. April 7th, but 1.11 in the morning. <laughs> I can't sleep. That's why I'm talking so low. My family is resting right now. So I'm being kind of quiet because I don't want to wake them up. And we live in a small trailer. Um, I believe it or not, our office is the cabin, but we sleep in a trailer. Schoolhouse and office is the cabin, but we sleep in our trailer until we get our house built, which has basically been put on hold because of this whole pandemic business. So we're waiting for this to slow down before we break ground and get that going. Things take time, you know. So we're kind of like camping, I guess you could say. I call it my, my gypsy, my gypsy moment. So this is um, Corona Ramblings, Episode 5. Normally I don't talk to you guys until, you know, around 10 o'clock in the morning, 11 o'clock in the morning, but I can't sleep. I was stupid. I drank coffee at 10.30 for whatever reason, and, um, yeah, I've been sitting here following this coronavirus briefing, and I'm telling you what, the president is, I didn't watch it today, I can't watch it, but I'm watching Don Lemon, he's one of my favorite anchors of all time, I love Don Lemon, Chris Cuomo, CNN's my news, okay, and I'm watching Don Lemon, and he is just lit, he is just ripping into the president for his behavior, he is so He's so, the president, is so embarrassing. I am, I am embarrassed. I, I get worried sometimes, you know, when I speak my mind about him, because I think, well, you know, maybe I should watch my mouth, but then I realize I'm so reserved in the things that I say compared to what I'm hearing the anchors say. But this... <laughs> This president is so awful. He he just he drives me nuts. He points at people and he 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 yells at them. And he just I can't stand him. He he just loses his crap. He he should not be allowed to speak. I'm watching this. This is embarrassing. I you know, I think he treats I think he treats his um he he treats this whole briefing like an episode of The Apprentice. It has got to be the most ridiculous thing ever. And I really wish the news media that I enjoy watching, I wish they would stop. I mean, they can... Yeah, I'm listening. I, I have to have my... Um, I'm sorry, I'm not listening. I'm watching Don Lemon. If I seem distracted, I'm watching. I'm reading the the captions because I have my TV down all the way. 
He's so rude to these reporters. Not Don Lemon. Donald Trump. He won't answer the questions. Honestly at all. He won't answer the questions honestly. Like, truthfully. It's embarrassing. And he, he has to talk with his hands. And it's just like, he's got these teeny little baby hands. And as he's talking and he's moving them around, it's just, I try hard not to, ugh. Anyway, Don Lemon is basically saying that he's just repeating what the president is saying and just going, it's just so sad, it's just so sad, it's so embarrassing, it's just so sad, and it is so sad, it's embarrassing, this president is an embarrassment, you know, and everyone, gosh, I wish he wouldn't talk with his hands, he drives me crazy, anyways, um, yeah, so I'm up at one o'clock in the morning, and I am having... Um, I'm making some hot water so I can do some dishes. Our hot water heater went out. <laughs> trailer 11, let me tell you. Hot water heaters in these little trailers are not the best things in the world. The one that we have. And so we're right now at this point in time kind of roughing it until we can get that thing fixed. You know, when this pandemic hit, all these things kind of went on hold because you don't want people out in your yard doing things, exposing you to stuff. Remember I told you I had lupus. And I really, really did not want to, um, I didn't really want to uh, um, bring any sickness in here, you know. And my husband and I agreed that, golly Christmas, you know, he and I both grew up in a time period when, you know, if we lived in a, um, as kids, you know, my mom and dad, we lived on a farm where we actually had to heat the water on the stove and take a bath and things like that. And we have a camp shower. It's really kind of cool. It's a shower pump that um, one end goes in a, in a big bucket of hot water and then it pumps it through and it comes out a shower nozzle. We have it set up in our bathroom. Since our hot water heater went out, we had to start doing that. But it just happened, and so we're having to do that for... And hopefully this nonsense won't last forever. You know, the, the pandemic won't last forever, that we'll be able to, um, you know, uh, get these things fixed. <laughs> but the thing is here now, here's another thing that we're looking at, is what's the point of fixing something if we're just going to build that house? If we're just going to get the building put in and... You know, he's already designed it, and, oh, you know, we'll be moving this trailer. It's just a short-term thing that we're living in until we get the building here. And we're waiting until after this mess is over, you know, because, um, like I said, we don't want to get a lot of things going and then have to sit, you know, with buildings not finished and what have you. If things get worse so we're just kind of biding our time and basically just camping we're kind of looking at us like that for this moment um, you know the good news is you know the property that I have is mine and we pay cash and it's it's bought and paid for every single building on this place is bought and paid for except for the trailer that we're in and that's basically you know a rental until we're until we're done you know, but they, anyhow, uh, to get the house up, you know, 
So, um, and it's just a work in progress. We're trying very hard to do things to where we don't have a lot of money going out because we'd love to, as our old age, you know, have money for the retirement, as it were. You know, my husband would like to retire and we don't want tons of debt. So that's why we're doing it like this. And it sounds kind of crazy. And some people are like, oh, you should have this house and all these wonderful things, you know, and get a 30-year mortgage. We don't want that. We really don't want that. We would like to pay off everything, you know, within five years, literally. I mean, that's what we did with all of our, with the cabin that we have that's over there. That's the office and the school building. That was paid off in uh, in five years. We paid it off in five years. Um, her playhouse, which is a cool playhouse, um, which literally can be her total getaway, fun thing when her, if and when this thing finally gets over itself, um, it would be nice. You know, she could camp out with her with her niece, who's only two years younger than she is. <laughs> You know, her niece and her big sister, they keep talking about it, you know. She's got this cool playhouse, and it's actually a big, it's actually a little tiny house with a porch and a loft. And uh, it's been, um, it's been uh, electrified and everything, and we're just going to finish it out. We just have to put the, we have everything there, the siding and all that stuff to finish it. It's just, like I said, when this pandemic hit, everything got put on hold. My husband had to work way more than he normally does because he's got to keep those power companies going, you know. So it's been a lot of stress in that respect for him. And uh, to try to do that, working seven 12s in a row, that's kind of what they're doing to him right now. They work seven 12-hour shifts in a row with no days off. So basically it's like 14 12s an hour. Tomorrow when he works, it'll be his eighth day. Yeah, eighth day in a row, no days off. So, it's been, you know, you don't really feel like, you don't really feel like building houses or putting siding up or, you know, and I don't, he doesn't want me doing that, putting that we have the insulation and everything, you know, sitting in the barn waiting to, to do her house. We've already done the cabin because it's, you know, it's our office and, and uh, schoolhouse, but we haven't done her, her little, her little, I don't know what you call it. Her girl cave, I guess. The girl cave. You know, she's she's trying to figure out colors for the walls. And, you know, what cool things is she going to put in there? Like beanbag chairs. And, you know, and then she changes her mind. Oh, I want a real couch. And can I have a fridge, too, you know, to have drinks and stuff? Ooh, how about a microwave for the microwave popcorn? I mean, just, you know, the list is adding up. And. You know, but she's got this really cool little loft, and it's perfect. It's just, it is the perfect fun house. Tiny, mind you, because it's just, you know, for one person, really, to play in. Perfect little getaway. Little, little, little girl cave for a nine-year-old, you know. And since we're on this property, one acre is like, you know, we're fencing the whole place off. That's the next thing, you know, he's working all these days and we're going to fence the whole thing off with security and everything. She doesn't go play in there by herself right now because it's not finished. But when it gets done, we're going to move it up here and uh, across the property. And it's going to be like in a circle. 
We're going to have these buildings like the cabin, the main house, um, not the trailer, but we'll have a main, a main house, um, which will be, you know, kitchen, living room, bedrooms. Very small. We're not going to have it big. We don't need it big. It's just us three, you know. This will be the main house, the cabin for, you know, our, uh, our schoolwork and our office stuff. He'll have his barn. He'll leave it where it is. He'll leave the barn where it is. But we'll move the cabin up, up closer to um, the actual main house and her um, playhouse. And it'll be in this nice little circle, and it'll be security fenced in. And up here closer, too, we are surrounded. I remember I told you I had rescue dogs. And they're all in these separate yards. You know, we've got, got them grouped together according to likability, okay? And who's fixed and who's not fixed. You know, we don't have anybody. No one can get pregnant, Okay, that's how we have it moved through. All of our girls are fixed except for two out of the 14 dogs. All of, all but two are fixed. <laughs> we kind of got to where we're like, okay, we got to hold off because it's costing some money here. 250 bucks a pop, okay. You know, we're running to the thousands getting these guys fixed. But anyhow, um, but we're kind of surrounded. If we move everything up here, it's surrounded. It's like a guard situation. You feel safe. I wouldn't be upset about her camping out in her little house with her niece and her sissy. Even with her niece, you know, if we're surrounded and like, you know, he's already talking about putting a husband, putting camera intercom system, you know, like video camera to where we can I can see in her house to make sure she's okay, that kind of thing. Should she decide to camp out there with the friends or whatever? You know, I mean, kids camp out. They camp out in their little tents. This is even better, you know, because it'll have air conditioning and heat. And as she says, she wants a microwave and a fridge. <laughs> we have a fridge, a little tiny fridge she could put in there. She could have that. It's a dorm room fridge. I mean, it's, you're nine. You don't need anything bigger than it in a dorm room, dorm room size fridge, you know, we've already got one of those in the cabin, we don't even use it, so she could have that in her little house, and I suppose we could get her a little microwave for her popcorn, you know, she has this thing, popcorn and her movies, or popcorn and her games, you know, and we'll put a TV in there, no doubt, you know, probably it'll be computer system, she's going to want to have her, you know, Kids need, girls need, but kids need a private place, their clubhouse, their, you know, we all need our own space. She's definitely, you know, no different than anybody. So this is so cool. We're so glad to be able to get that. But, you know, all that's paid for. We're just, like I said, things are on hold and we're kind of paying as we go. So that, you know, when my husband finally truly does 100% retire from his work now. And he's thinking he'll probably work maybe a couple more years at the most and then retire, you know. Um, he's 62, so he'd be retiring when he's maybe 64, 65. And uh, once he does that, you know, we don't want to have any debt. So our goal is to get all this paid off. Cars, vans, the trailer, the 
the cabins, well, the cab, all that stuff is getting paid off. And then, of course, you know, if we get, you know, another building, if we can pay as we go, um, as much down on things and what have you. And if I sell some of my art, you know, my artwork, possibly we can pay huge chunks off at a time. That's my hope. So, anyways, I'm rambling. It is like 1.27 in the morning, but this is what happens to me. I'm stupid, and I drink coffee, and then I can't go to bed. <laughs> Everybody else is sleeping, and I'm watching the news. And and plus two tomorrow, we have school. So, or today, I should say. Oh, we have school, so I'm sitting here thinking I'm going to make out her itinerary of all the things that she needs to do, and I'm just, I'm not in the mood to sleep, you know. And that's another thing, too, remember I mentioned earlier that I have bipolar disorder. Well, this is one of the lovely things that goes along with bipolar disorder, and that is every once in a while, you kind of get a little industrious. Some folks call it a manic episode, but I don't really think that's what this, well, yeah, maybe it is. It's mild. It's nowhere near what it used to be back in the days when I didn't take my meds, you know, but now I'm religious about my medication, so um, I do take, um, when I said my conditions, my medical conditions, of course, I said that I take herbal therapies for, but you know, for this, this is managed know, by, by somebody else. So, um, you know, they, they have me on a regimen and that's cool. So I take that and, um, it is, uh, it is natural, but it's being, what, excuse me, yawning, maybe I am getting tired. It is natural, but it's being managed with therapy and with, with help. So I'm not just, you know, going it alone here. On that respect, but this is one of the things that um, happens to people with bipolar disorder. You know, I was considered bipolar spectrum um, disorder, meaning I kind of flip flop back and forth between, um, you know, I'm kind of somewhere between one and two, but uh, I get very industrious sometimes. Like right now, I just don't feel like sleeping. And part of it is, is this pandemic thing. It, it, you know, I do watch way too much news. Like right now, here we go. HH Watchdog reported hospitals facing widespread and severe shortages of medical supplies. And of course, the president says that that information is incorrect, and he's and that the person is completely wrong <laughs> because she's from the Obama administration and she's a woman. That's really what he wanted to end his thing with. He hates women. Donald Trump hates women. He only likes them for one thing. Right? You know, you heard him say when he was being interviewed in that big RV thing before he became president, he talked about grabbing him by the pussy. You know, he's a disgusting man. He's a misogynistic individual. He's not decent. Well, anyways, here we go, you know, and she's the, she's the former secretary. Um, she's putting together a watchdog report about the hospitals, and they have severe shortages, and of course, the president doesn't believe her. Those numbers are wrong. She's wrong. 
you won't listen. Anyway, back to, you know, I need to stop doing that to myself. Um, being very, uh, what's the word? Almost addicted to the news. But, you know, I need to know what's going on. It's, it's never good to be completely in the dark, but there's got to be a happy medium between what's going on and too much, you know. Um, like I said before, I got myself off of Facebook for a reason, because Facebook was this platform that I could just share all the political posts that I had been a part of. You know, Democrats against Republicans, uh, you know, just because I don't, I cannot deal with the Republican Party right now. But anyways, you know, there's a lot of things out there that, that are showing what the president's really like. And I was posting all that stuff and putting all my, oh, you know, 150 cents worth in there and just being downright angry and yeah, I'm not ready to even think about going back on Facebook right now because as I'm watching this right now, I'm watching how the president has just absolutely said things against the hospitals, even, and the governors for asking for things and um, for this pan pandemic, you know, the supply shortage saying that the that the federal stockpile is not for the states, it's for the federal government and they make the decisions who needs what and where and if they really don't think you need it, well you're not gonna get it. I mean they're just being absolutely rude. So for me, I'm glad I'm not on Facebook because I would be absolutely posting this crap. Oh he's horrible. He's a horrible man. Yeah, he says that the stockpile was bare when he came in to office. And, and the truth of it is, the truth of it is, um, <laughs> I had heard that he sent a whole bunch of stuff over to China. So he, like, he is out before it, he depleted it. Not the previous administration, but this particular one. He's just unbelievable. I can't. I cannot even understand. He already knew that there was possible viruses could hit us and that we'd need this kind of stuff, and he just ignored. Anyway, I need to stop doing this. But back to what I was talking about before, you know, um, building the house and everything and getting all these things done. We, we're hoping within the next year we'll have our buildings done and you know how it, a lot of the reason why we didn't finish everything in stone either out here was because this land that we bought is kind of interesting um, I bought a place that used to be back in the 60s a truck a trucker stop meaning um, it had a gas station I guess on it at one time long ago it also had all these little hookups plug-ins for where semi-trucks could come in. Truckers could come in and, and plug in their stuff. This is back in the 60s. And um, this is before the little, the A-frame building was up. 
that A-frame's coming down. We have an A-frame cabin on this place, too. We have a lot of buildings. Um, but it's old. And it's, it's not something that um, we want to live in. It's right now, it's storage on the top upper level. And the bottom level is um, has a couple rescue dogs destroying it. <laughs> they like to chew everything. <clears throat> Every couch that we've we have some couches in there. Well, they're completely ruined. You know how dogs are. They chew. So we have a couple dogs in there and um, two cats bunking in that place. And they're kind of turning it into a barn, if you will, making messes in there. Um, it's kind of a disaster. And cleaning it becomes quite the ordeal. But uh, anyway, so but no, we're, our plan is to take that down. Eventually get all the storage out of the upstairs. I've got books and stuff up there. And then in its place, either putting a main building there, or another rescue building, or a, a barn, you know, for my husband to work in. We we waited to figure out where we're going to actually break ground for the house because we wanted to see what was the best ground to be on. You know, whether or not we're going to pour foundation or do pier and beam. We've already made the decision to do pier and beam. But, you know, where's the most stable ground to do it on? And, you know, this also used to be mining country up here where I live, which I'm not going to say where, but we're finding a lot of iron ore on the ground, in the ground. So part of this ground is almost like rock. And then the other part is soft ground. So we've, in staying here for the several years, about seven years, <sighs> moving around on here, trying to figure out where's a good place to do this, you know? where we're going to end up. Because we hate to build a house, right? Get everything all good. And then run into all kinds of issues with the ground and the drainage system and everything. So by waiting and taking our time and living, tiny house living is kind of basically what we're doing. By doing that, over time we have learned which is the best place to put our house and how we're going to, you know, landscape and everything. Yeah, I mean, a person can move in and fix everything immediately, and that's great. But I think taking our time and seeing how this place is and how the, the, the grounds are and do things shift and, you know, what have you. And so far as we can tell, up here where we have our trailer, which is more on solid, rockish-type ground, this is the best place. It doesn't shift as much. It doesn't get soggy, nasty when it gets rainy. You know, it's it's higher ground. So I think that's what we're gonna where we're gonna build. So it's a good idea to wait. You know, um, and then of course, just when we started thinking about all this stuff in February, suddenly we've got a pandemic on our hands, and you know, countries locked down by March, and so. It's a good. T it's good that we waited. Really, didn't invest tons of money in something yet, or spend our nest egg. <laughs> you know, cash it in and spend it. And because right now, you know, I mean, my husband told me too that you know we're he's once they finish working and getting these this power plant up and going, then it'll be downtime at work meaning they'll be working, but they won't be working as much. So he won't be doing his 712s. He won't be making overtime. 
he may even be furloughed a day or two. Well, you know, he did sign up for the for um, his social security, so if he makes under a certain amount of money for a whole month, he will get a social security check. So that's kind of good, you know, where it's being gauged in that respect. How well, how much he works is how much he gets. You know, he has it figured out that way. So we aren't going to go hungry. We're going to be fine. He planned all that. He's such a good planner. But I'm glad that we didn't go blow our, our little nest egg because um, that we had planned to use for the house and everything. Because who knows, you know, who knows what the what's going to happen with the government and, you know, who knows, we might need that nest egg for a few months or three months or half a year or whatever. I mean, we just don't know. And we have learned to live extremely frugally. And like I said, tiny house living, it's been great. We've, it, I am glad that, that my baby girl, all that she really knows is this and not extravagance because I'll be truthful, my eldest, because I was a nurse and I did make good money, tons of money, actually. And when, when our, our youngest was really tiny, you know, I was still making quite a bit of money and then I had to quit, right? So, um, and then we pulled in our belts. It's not that we didn't have money. We just decided to live extremely frugally so that we didn't get ourselves literally caught with our pants down, right? Um, all she knows is to live frugally and that's kind of good right now because my eldest doesn't know that and I feel bad because I think I kind of ruined her. She's suffering right now. Those kids are struggling and we don't really have, and she doesn't want her help. She's so bullheaded. <laughs> my eldest doesn't want her help. Nope, we're fine. You know, just, okay, I can do this. Okay. You know, she's married. And her husband is working a little bit here and there. He was an Uber driver. He's being very careful, though, about Uber driving because of this pandemic. But, you know, she gets paid pretty good, and she has student loans, and they got their tax returns, and they're saving their money, so they're being careful. But, you know, they've had to downsize and go more frugal themselves. And I, what I mean by they're struggling is that she's not geared for that. She likes her lifestyle. Her, she likes to spend that money, but now she's not. And you can just tell it's hard. It's difficult. She wants to spend the money, see. But it's, uh, it's just, um, but, but by my littlest one here, she She's comfortable with the way things are, you know. She's, we've always been shopping, you know, since we moved up here, there's really not, in this rural area, tons of big name stores and stuff like that. That's great. Because I used to shop those big name stores when she was teen, I'd say. And so I did when, when her sister was young. And I can tell you the difference between the two, and I'm just going to say this. I'm going to lay this out there for any parent that wonders. Can you spoil your kid and turn them into brats? You bet you can. If you don't spoil your children and give them really what they need, which is love, attention, food, 
clothing, you know, just enough toys, <laughs> but not too much, okay? You can go overboard with those things, the toys and the gifts and the, you know, you can go to the point that they expect it so much that when, golly Christmas, you can't, then what you gonna do, you know? That's what my, my eldest is running into right now. She's running into the fact that she spoiled her children and now they can't be spoiled because they have to watch their money really carefully. And her kids are kind of not liking that. Whereas my little munchkin now, you know, doesn't really understand the spoiling factor. And she's grateful for so many things. And she's just such a happy kid. She's a happy kid. She's almost happier. I've watched her be so happy. Um, she knows how to make herself happy. She knows how to um, entertain herself and make things. And one thing that I discovered about her, you know, I started off buying her expensive toys, but guess what she used to do with them? Tear them apart to see how they work. Well, when she did that, I mean, over and over and over again, you're blowing 40 and 50 bucks on a toy, and you find it completely dismantled and all the parts everywhere, and she's going to rebuild it to make her happy, right? Because she liked to make it better. That's what she's been doing since she's been about two years old. We finally made the decision. When she turned four and five after blowing so much money on toys, my husband and I made the decision to start taking her to the... There's a place... Um, where we live that is called Hope's Closet and it's a great place. It's a thrift store that gives money to um, domestic abuse victims. All the monies that, that, that they get from the, from the sale of their um, items, you know. I mean, it's all resale. You know, toys are pre-owned and clothes are pre-owned and, and everything. And it's it's a great place. You find really good clothes in there. I buy all my clothes in there. You know, someone else wore it first, but who cares? They're clean. They wash everything. They don't put things on the racks that are, that are torn up or awful, you know. And the prices are very, very, very reasonable. Well, the toys are the same way. There's tons of toys in there. And she likes that better than brand new ones because then she doesn't feel bad about tearing them up and rebuilding them the way she likes them. She's a funny little child. I knew that. I could see the genius in her when she started doing that. I was like, you know, I heard dad at first like, what are you doing? I'm like, wait, watch, watch, watch. She's trying to remake this toy to what she wants it to be. And when he saw that, he was like, oh my gosh, that's pretty genius. I'm like, yeah. But, you know, it's also kind of expensive when we're blowing 40 bucks or 50 bucks on one toy. So why don't we go look around at some of these places like the Salvation Army and the Goodwill. And I bet you we can find things that she can remake but won't break the bank. So we did. And it's been great. Not to mention, in this one Hope's Closet that I go to, there is a book section. And for whatever reason, I happen to get lock into um, books for her schooling. 
whoever it is that was bringing their books in there was a homeschooler. Textbooks for this particular state that we live in. All the way from third grade on up, we've bought just about everything in there. Um, you know, math and science and all this. And we're talking not... See, I told you. I think I don't know if I told you this, but our curriculum is not Christian-based. It's secular. The reason is because we wanted something that was rooted in... I hate to be like this because I'm not putting Christians down, but truly rooted in reality and science and based on facts and things, not on, not on something that we're not so sure is 100% true. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be cruel. I do factor in religion. We do discuss different um, different religions and, and things like that. We discuss different theories of um, creation based on different religions. We talk about all that. But I'm letting her, over her time, choose what spirituality she wants to have. However, this particular place, you know, whoever it was that put those books out there, I think she or he homeschooled their kids in the same fashion that I'm doing because they're all secular textbooks and they're expensive ones, you know. Ones that when I looked up online were like $80 books. $80 textbooks that you could get for three bucks. I couldn't pass it up. Some of them were a couple years old. Some of them were like 10 years old. But depending on the information, some things don't change. So it was pretty good. You know, we've gotten a lot of our textbooks there. And of course, I always supplement. I've bought tons of things online on Amazon, brand spanking new. We've blown a lot of money on the education. And I don't at all feel bad about it. I'm very happy to do it because I know what she's getting. I know what she's learning. I know that I can have a say-so, you know, in this. And I feel good about it. But um, anyways, back, back to her um, taking apart her, her, her toys and stuff. It's just so much fun to watch her do. So this has been giving her an out to be able to do that. And we still do that. We st we, up until this pandemic hit, we were still heading over there at least once a month. She'd bring like five or ten dollars need much and she could get for like 10 bucks you would not believe the, the toys and the different things that she could buy um, we're talking for $10 I think we walked out of there one time she had bought easily if it was all brand spanking new probably helped be $110 worth of toys for 10 bucks can't beat that can't beat that and she, so you know, she'll either keep them as they are, or invariably, she has to modify everything. That's why I know, I don't know what career she's going to have. We just had a chit-chat a little bit ago before she went to bed. She's really thinking about becoming an architect. She sat um, across from me at our dinette on the internet looking up all different kinds of buildings. She was just... I have it in my mind about these buildings I want to build. And so I sent her on a quest to look up 
Frank Lloyd Wright and Antonio Gaudi. And she looked at both of those architects and was just mesmerized with their difference. If you know anything about Frank Lloyd Wright, he's very angular. And then if you know anything about Antonio Gaudi, he's very not. <laughs> he's very fluid and circular and somewhat not even symmetrical, just kind of, you know, lots of curves and things. She was so enamored with both. She didn't know which one she liked better. And she must have spent an hour looking at all these different buildings and things. So, you know, her big thing is building and redoing all her toys to fit her design. Now, the cool thing is our business that we're going to get going here. My husband has a laser and he makes, he was making, you know, signs and plaques and things like that, but um, we're looking to make dollhouses and she wants to design them. And so, you know, there's architecture programs that you can get. Um, my husband does designing too and he, she wants to get into that um, where she can learn how to do that and then program the machine. Yeah. So she might be 10 years old doing CAD CAM programming. Very possible. CNC programming, that's what he does. He's going to teach it to her. <laughs> She's so smart, she'll figure it out. And I think it'll be fun because he can run the laser. He can let her run the laser, you know, to, to, to make parts for her, for her designed building that she wants. So we're looking to do that. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's a business, but it's also something that she's going to, to be a part of. Um, you know, it'll be fun. And it'll be a learning experience. I mean, it's going to encompass math and programming and computer programming and, and you know, design and architecture and all that. I mean, it's just going to be a fascinating thing. So we have that to look forward to. <clears throat> And here it is, 1.53 in the morning, and I'm still awake, and I'm yammering away to you. But anyways, um, yeah, so, I'm still not really that tired, that's the problem. But, the, see, I worked nights as an RN for over 27 years. You know, when you, even 10 years later, I think because I did that for so long, it's going to be almost impossible for me to just suddenly become a day person. I just... I really don't get up before 10.30 or 11. I really don't. It's it's rare. If I do, it's so rare. But this is my, and my whole property, and I'm saying my rescue dogs and everything, they're all on that schedule, and they do fine. It's, it's, it's consistency. We, we have a consistent schedule that we don't waver from in that respect of feeding times for them. Dogs are very, very... What's the word? Creatures of habit. And you break them too much from their patterns and they don't get happy. They, I mean, they become very unhappy, you know, as far as just fidgety and then they don't want to eat and grouchy and then they might have squabbles and stuff. You don't want to break their patterns too much. So we, we stick to the um, 12 and 6 is usually their feeding times. And they're, they're sleeping until noon. I can't... I went out there one time, tried to feed them early, and they just looked at me like, I'm not hungry. They wouldn't eat their food, you know. So, 
12 and 6 is when we feed them, and school is usually done between 1 and 1 and 4, you know, and that's our day. And in between all that time, I'm either doing laundry, dishes, what have you, cleaning house, we do things like that. Those are on school days, you know, so I mean, it's, it's an odd schedule, but it's my schedule, and it's what works for us. And, you know, and then the other times in the evening, and my husband goes to bed so early, um, I'm up in the night by myself. This is my time. My time to do my thing, um, you know, and uh, write. You know, I'm, I am over in the trailer, so but I like to be close to her at nighttime, so I don't go to the office. Sometimes I do. When we get this entire place completely fortressed in, as I say, fenced off with the alarms and all that kind of yeah, I'll probably sneak out to the office in the middle of the night so that I don't uh, wake the family while I'm doing my stuff. But I mean, the office is like across the yard, whoop-de-doo, you know, go on in there and fire up the old computer and get to work. And, and you know, sometimes I just can't. I just can't sleep, so, you know, and I like to listen to music and watch TV, and we've got a big screen over there, and I do have a, a little group of kitty cats that live over there, too, um, so I go over there and play with them, and she spends a lot of time in the schoolhouse playing with the cats, schoolhouse office, playing with the kitty cats, you know, and so we, we, uh, it's, you know, there's always something to do here in the middle of the night, during the day, doesn't matter, um, and right now, you know, I'm just so watching this freaking news, it's just every bit, and the only news channel that I see that ever gives glowing support to the president is Fox News, you know, I watch MSNBC, ABC, CBS, um, CNN, but CNN's my favorite, I really like CNN. It just seems like it's the most honest without all kinds of crap. They just tend to stick to the facts without too much anger. But every once in a while you see these guys, they just can't take it anymore and they have to say what they feel. Um, but Fox News is just, I can't watch Fox News. It's like against the truth. It's the only one that plays into Trump's hands. They, they really push his agenda of, you know, being, you know, the rich are important, the poor are not, that kind of thing, and just racist and what have you, they're just, they're just so goofy, I tried watching some of their stuff, and it just, I, I couldn't watch it with a straight face, just totally ridiculous, a lot of it, um, but this is truly sad, I'm seeing here where the, they're bringing it up again, where so much of the Many of the different governors have been calling upon the federal government for help. And the federal government, now that Kushner's in charge, nah, you know, you don't need that stuff. You've got that stuff. Your numbers are wrong. I mean, it's basically, they're just leaving people in the dirt. It is so sad. And we literally are on our own because he doesn't care. Ever since he got Kushner in charge, Jared Kushner in charge, He's not listening to the doctors anymore. He's not listening to the doctors, not listening to the experts. Certainly not listening to the governors or anything. And he's arguing continuously with all the, the 
the media. Everybody's, you know, he, he talks about CNN as fake news, not real. Oh, and MSNBC, you're not real. I mean, it's, he's just, he's so awful. I can't. I can't. There's a woman in, in, in his party. I can't think of what her name is. She sounds, she almost sounds Mexican when she's talking. She has an accent, very strong. And she cannot stand him. She called him disgusting. I couldn't believe it. I was, you know, normally all his supporters that are in his group are so pro him to the point. She's a TV personality or something or a spokesperson or something. I can't remember what her name is. But man, I watched a video and she was just going off on him and she says he's not going to make me leave this party she says I'm not leaving the GOP over him you know honestly I don't know how anybody can be in the GOP without feeling an enormous amount of guilt um, for the way they treat the public and the people and the, and the poor and the you know I, I just don't know how they can even call themselves you know a good portion of them keep touting that they're good Christian folk. I don't see it. I see hate, bigotry, horrors, you know, that's what I see. And it's so divisive and so awful. And <laughs> it's just hard to watch. It's hard to watch. And, and she just, um, boy, she had it out. She said her piece about him. And uh, she called him disgusting. Those were her words. He is disgusting. I was like, wow. It must have been something against women that she was talking about. I didn't even watch the whole thing. It was a it was a rant that this woman had a couple years ago. She was very upset with him over something. I can't remember what it was. I just know that I, I thought it was quite interesting. But um, for her anger, you know, that she was part of his party, but absolutely couldn't stand him. And Anyways, well, listen, I'm going to cut this off because I do think I have a few pans I need to wash and what have you and uh, believe it or not I'm hungry it's so stupid here it is at 2 o'clock in the morning and I want a snack <laughs> a little tiny snack that might help me get sleepy and go to bed and at least get me about you know 6 or 7 hours of sleep I don't really sleep more than that you know I try to sleep that 8 hours they talk about that we're supposed to get I can't you know ever since I was little I've never been able to sleep more than about six or seven hours at a time the only time I ever went into this long periods of sleep was when I was about 14 or 15 um, and that's when when you look back I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder in my 20s but they figured my behavior patterns was uh, I showed science when I was about 14 or 15 bipolar disorder when I would just have that downtime where I just couldn't get up I slept and slept that is another hallmark of bipolar and you know honestly and truthfully the medication that I'm on lithium it seems, seems to keep that very much in check I don't seem to have those extended periods of time where I just can't get up and do anything I don't I am so motivated to keep going even if I feel sluggish I push myself because I have responsibilities. I can't just lay there with the blankets over my head. Now there are days that I get really down and, it, and a lot of times it's the lupus. 
the flares come, and I have to rest for that reason. And I take little naps during the day. And that's when my daughter, she does her her gaming or her reading or her, she gets to have the TV and watch whatever she wants. That's the time. And she's like, oh, take a nap, Mama. It's okay. I'll watch TV and I'll keep it down. And I got some things I want to do here. And you just take a nap and I'll stay close so that you don't have to worry about me because she knows how I am. I don't like to lay down and fall asleep. And then she goes outside and goes to the track. You know, we have that little track that we have here. I don't want her to be out there by herself. And she's really good about if she senses that I feel so tired from a lupus flare that I might fall asleep and need a nap. She's like, I'll stay here and I'll lock the doors and make me some popcorn and, you know, curl up with a book and you can just take you a good little nap. And she's just, that relieves my stress because I worry, you know, well, mom. <laughs> I, I know a lot of parents will take naps and let their kids run the neighborhood and I can't do that. Oh, hell no. She doesn't run the neighborhood. I don't allow it anyways. Doesn't, uh, doesn't compute to me. There are too many weird things going on in the world today that my daughter has to be within my sights. Pretty much all the time. The only time during the day I will let her go to the cabin alone where she can play with the cats. You know, but I can see her. And trust me. The music that she plays sometimes gets so loud over there you can hear her all the way up here. So it's, you know, I know she's in there and um, she comes and checks in with me. It's not like she's, you know. But my gosh, those little kids down the street. A little girl today, five years old, she rode around the block all by herself. And it's not the same thing as a city block, okay? This is the country streets where there's woods and everything. It's not the same as a city block. It's different. It's like you're out in the middle of nowhere. This little girl rode her bike all around by herself. There was nobody with her. <sighs> like I told you, her mom didn't watch her. She doesn't watch any of those kids. They just run wild and scares the bejeebies out of me, but I'm not her ma. If I can't help, just, you know, being worried and when she's going around past our house and that inevitably I have to get up and go outside and go down the other side and look down the street to make sure I see her coming around the other side back to her house and uh, it's not my job to do that though because she's not my kid but yet I do it because it bothers me her ma is nowhere like I don't even know if she's home she probably is I see her truck out there but she's inside her house. She doesn't seem to mind her daughter just... And that seems to be the thing out here. Gosh, you see kids sitting in the front seat, not in their car seats at all. You know, standing up in the back of a truck bed, leaning out. You know, just no restraint. That's what you see out here. It's very hard to watch. I tend to play by those rules. My kid was in her booster seat until she's big enough. She's nine now state requirements for us here is that she needs to be nearly five foot, I think, and uh, I think it's four foot eleven and X number of pounds and she's there. So yeah, I have a big kid, nine year old, she's pretty tall. You know, so now she doesn't need her booster seat, but by God, we play, we were on that. I'm not getting one of those $500 fines, but apparently doesn't happen too much out here because you see all these kids sitting in the cars and the trucks, no car seats at all. It's just, 
wow. You see moms carrying their little babies, sitting in the front seat, holding their babies as they're going past your house. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I, like they used to do back in the olden days, you know. I can remember that. And then we had the car seat laws when I was first in the nursery working. And people having to go to the signing waivers when you sent them home from the hospital and they wouldn't put their kids in the car seat. You'd have to have them sign a paper saying that they understood that they were committing a potential faux pas, as it were, you know, that they were doing something dangerous. And uh, that's the law, you know. And then, and then it moved to absolutely no child could leave the hospital without being in a car seat and you wouldn't let them go and if they didn't want to do it you'd have to call child protective services that's what it moved to when I worked so you know things have changed but out here in the boonies man nobody seems to play by the rules at all so it's hard for me because in my world I'm kind of a rule I kind of stick with with the rules the common sense ones you know well, listen, I'm on the hour, so I'm going to say goodnight. This is a northerner in the south, and you're listening to the Corona Ramblings. And I'm Ruth Wittstein, and it 